0: Thank you so much for your church here at Mission Valley. Thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you for your son, Jesus. You are so good. Holy Spirit, please speak through me this morning. May I be your mouthpiece. Help me stay faithful to your word. Please soften our hearts this morning. Help us to learn more about you, Father God. Help us to love you more. Help us to become more like your son, Christ. So please bless our time together. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, as Pastor Dave mentioned, um, I just came back from a mission trip. I was in Japan for 16 days. And even though I had a great time in Japan, man, it feels good to be back at home. So thank you very much, Mission Valley, for your support. Japan is a beautiful country, the people are great, and the food is phenomenal out there. (laughs) And I was in natto heaven. (laughs) You guys love natto? Yes. Yeah? I think majority? Natto is fermented soybeans? Man, it's the best. I probably had natto almost every day. (laughs) The picture of uh, natto. And they had all kinds of natto. Like they had those... Like the nice one, the chopped up ones. Those are my favorite. And then they also had some mixing sauces with eggs. So it made it even more slimier. So it it, it was phenomenal. But the highlight was definitely ministering to the people of Japan. And telling them about Christ. So thank you again, Mission Valley. I I, I just believe that uh, God with his sovereignty brought our missions team together. Our partner up with my brother, Pastor Rocky from Evergreen. We also had Kyoshi. He was our translator. He's a sports writer for um, a Japanese newspaper. Also, we had uh, Sayuri. She's an NFL cheerleader. She was baptized a couple months prior to our trip. And we also had Megumi. She's a gospel dancer. So I really believe that God brought us together. And as uh, Pastor Dave announced, I'll be sharing more about my trip on March 31st at 12 p.m. But today I want to share some highlights. Once again, I want to thank you so much. Your prayers did not go in vain. They were answered. And some of the highlights, man, God really blessed our trip. It just blew my mind, exceeded my expectations. Our first outreach event in Tokyo, we had over 400 attendees. 400 over. And then we also had... Um, Another outreach event in Osaka where 25 men responded to the gospel. 25 men. Yeah, praise God. And we also had football clinics at the top universities in Japan. So I'm the the tackling dummy right there for my brother. But it's incredible how God opened a door for us to share the gospel. During the Q&A session, people were asking my brother, so what's your motivation in life? of course, is Christ. We were able to share the gospel. Or what's your favorite book? It's a no-brainer, the Bible, right? So that's how good God was. So every single seminar, we preached Christ. Even though it wasn't labeled as a Christian event, Christ was preached at these football clinics as well. And also, God opened a door for me to preach at our, um, at our churches in Japan, Free Methodist Churches. It was an awesome experience to be able to worship with uh, our brothers and sisters, in uh, Machida, that's close to Tokyo, and also I was able to preach at Bishop Honda's church in Kakugawa, one hour west of Osaka. We also met with um, missionaries in Kumamoto, with Sabrina Yi and Kenji and Elizabeth Watanabe. That's in uh, Kumamoto. We're standing in front of Kumano. He's uh, one of the famous, uh, I guess, mascots around that area, the Kyushu area. But the cool thing about... Um, Kenji, he's in the middle right next to me. He was actually my neighbor growing up. So he's known known me all my life. So we're neighbors in Monterey Park. And um, it's incredible to see how like 30 years later, God brought brought us together through Christ. So praise God on that. He's planting a church in Kumamoto right now called Izumi Chapel. And also, a personal highlight was being able to share the gospel with uh, my family. Um... I had the opportunity to share and also pray for uh, our family. That's my uh, cousin, Satoyo, and her husband, Hisashi. And also, um, some of them went to church for, for the very first time. So that was, that was an incredible moment as well. So I'm really blown away with what God did on our trip. God allowed us to sow the seeds of the gospel to the people of Japan So please continue to pray that those seeds will grow. Going into Japan, I knew there were many strong strongholds, spiritual strongholds. These are cultural strongholds, religious strongholds, with ancestry worship, with Buddhism and Shintoism and demonic strongholds. So Japan is starving for the word of God. And according to Mustard Seed, a church that we teamed up with in Osaka, They stated that 99% of Japanese people are unsaved. That's 126 million people that do not know Christ. And the next stat really blew my mind. They stated that 95% never heard of the gospel. 95%. There's only one church for every 16,700 people in Japan compared to the U.S. where there's one church for every 800 people. And missionaries are down by 34% over the past 20 years. The word of God is being snatched away from the Japanese people. I was reminded of a spiritual battle on my first week of the trip when my brother pointed out a symbol of a bird that was posted everywhere in my dad's hometown of Wakayama. The symbol were everywhere on religious materials, Shinto, Prayer plaques, just like that. Posters. They were selling shirts, socks, and keychains with the symbol. It was everywhere. Also, they had statues of the bird as well, too. Yeah. So the crow, I don't know if you can tell from the picture, but it has three legs. It's known as yata garasu, a mythical Shinto bird that the Japanese people pay homage and worship to. Yatagarasu is seen as a messenger of the Shinto gods. The three legs represents heaven, earth, and mankind. It is even now a symbol for the Japanese football association that oversees the soccer in Japan. There's a logo right there. It's everywhere. And soccer is one of the most popular sports in Japan. And looking at the crow spoke to me about the spiritual battle in Japan. The crow reminded me of the parable of the sower. And how Jesus said that there was a bird that devoured the seed. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus specifically said this. Now, the parable is this the seed is the word of God. Personally, the three feet gave me the chills. It reminded me of the unholy Trinity, with Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet stated in Revelations. I also remember the time before I accepted Christ that I woke up with three claw marks on my shoulders. So it gave me the weebie-jeebies looking at the, the, the birds. It really freaked me out. So this morning, I want I us to take a look at the parable of the sower. And to be, with the, to be honest with you, originally I was about to share more about my missions trip today, but God placed a burden on my heart to preach on the parable of the sower. This parable also convicted my heart And that we too have spiritual birds here in the San Gabriel Valley. And not just in Japan. The birds may look different, but there are spiritual birds that are taking us away from the word of God. There are different types of idols. The American dream, pride, business, our children's own success, our careers, our finances, social media, and the list goes on. How many of us read more on social media than reading the word? How many of us read more about Facebook posts instead of the word? What's well, the first thing that you grab? Your phone or the Bible? Don't let the devil snatch the word of God away from you. Spiritual warfare is real. The devil is here to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a warring lion, seeking someone to devour. I believe devouring the seed is a main strategy for Satan. He doesn't want God speaking to us, he wants his playground, the world, to change our hearts instead. So, if you have your Bibles, if you could please open up to Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he, Jesus, said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path it was trampled underfoot. And the bird of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they they are in parables. So that seeing... They may not see, and hearing, they might not understand. Now, the parable is this The seed is the word of God. The one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the one on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, they believe for a while. So the parable of the sower is a very familiar passage. It can be very tempting to think to yourself, I've heard this story hundreds of times before, and there's nothing new here for me to hear. In fact, that is the point of the parable. Right after Jesus told the parable, notice verse 8. He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Also in verse 18, Jesus says, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. How we listen and respond to God as he speaks to us will determine the amount of growth and spiritual fruit we will have. Another way to say is this, the condition of your heart will determine what God's word can do in your life. For the longest time, I only thought that this parable was about someone responding to the saving message of the gospel. Yes, the parable is about salvation. And it's scary because only one of the four soil is saved. Not three, not two, but only one. The seed in the good soil was the only seed that survived and grew. This is important because the good soil reveals that it has true faith by the fruit that it produced. But also I believe that the parable tells us the condition of our heart will determine how we will respond to God's word. At any time, our heart can take one of the four characteristics Jesus talks about in his parable. Because life is hard and unfair, we can respond to life from a carnal mindset and become hard-hearted. When other people attack you, gossip about you, and hurt you, the natural response is to protect yourself. You will lash back and put up a wall to protect yourself, or you will run and escape. Whether you attack or run, you'll hold on to the pain and play back the scenes over and over in your mind. As you hold on to these emotions, if you don't allow God to bring you healing and help, the harder your heart gets. Through unforgiveness and resentment, you can become so hard that your heart is unresponsive to God's word. Your life never changes like the first hard soil on the path, and the birds will devour the seeds. Another condition of heart can be like the second soil of the rocky ground. Here, the word comes to the person, but it does not have a lasting impact because there is no root that goes deep into the heart. The roots are shallow, too shallow. That is the person that comes to church looking for an emotional high. They hear the word of God and they accept it with happiness. But they don't do anything more. Verse 13 tells us, and the one on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. When I talk to people who are struggling and complaining that their faith seems dry, they say the church is no longer meeting their needs and feel empty. Every time I ask the same question, are you reading the Bible, not once have I ever had someone said yes. Over time, when they get tested in their faith, they fall away, as Jesus states, because their faith was never sincere in the first place. If you're only fed on Sunday mornings, you will starve spiritually. You You can't feed yourself spiritually without being in the word. You, can't, you cannot feed your sinful nature six days a week and expect to hear from God and receive all you need from a 30-minute sermon. You might feel emotionally uplifted for a while because God's word is good every time you hear it, but you cannot live without getting rooted. You cannot have only head knowledge and emotional lifts. You must have a heart that is fertile and deep, not shallow and rocky. The third type of heart is a thorny heart. In verse, verse 14, Jesus tells us As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and the fruit does not mature. This kind of heart is distracted and anxious. Instead of having their mind and heart devoted to pleasing God and pursuing righteousness, they are divided. This is Satan's strategy divide and conquer. A divided mind and heart will always prevent God's word from producing a harvest. So we need to ask ourselves what is it that I'm really living for? Am I living for myself or for God? Am I in control or is God? Will I strive to meet my own needs or will I let God take control? Do I really trust God? Or worldly wisdom when trouble comes? Those are some real questions. If our focus is on worldly wisdom, earthly pleasure, and personal ambitions, then our heart is full of thorns and we will allow God's word to be choked out. The fourth kind of heart is the noble and good heart, a good, good soil. Verse 15 tells us, as for that in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The person with a good heart hears the word, applies it to her life, and then receives it, harvests the spiritual fruit. The heart that is good is fertile grounds for God to use. God wants to see his word produce fruit in our lives. That's what he wants. God wants us to produce change, and he desires to make your life fruitful and Christ-like. But it all depends on the condition of your heart. Every time God's word, the seed, comes to you the reading, reading the Bible in church or in life group, as scripture reaches you, the condition of your heart, the soil, will dictate how you will respond. Since God wants us to have a heart that produces good fruit, how can we cultivate a ready, rich heart? In other words, how can we have a good heart for God to plant his word in. I believe we need to do four things to cultivate our hearts. I believe the first thing is to plow. Second is plan. Third is plant. And fourth is protect. Protect your soil. The first thing is to plow the soil to get our hearts ready. To turn it over, we need to soften our soil and take away the sin the weeds and rocks in our lives jesus tells us in luke 13:3 now i tell you but unless you repent you will all likewise perish without re- repentance we will perish we must repent how repent of any known sin is no mistake that the word repent means to turn repentance means to turn away from sin Not just to turn away, but to pursue Christ. You don't say that you're sorry or try better, but you confess that you have sinned and you need God's forgiveness and grace. In order to cultivate a heart that is noble and good, you need to plow up your heart and turn control over to God. Ask God to break up the hardy, rocky surface of your heart and turn over sin that has made you unfruitful in the past. Next is to prepare by fertilizing your heart. Spend time in God's word so that the life giving truth of scripture can soak deep into your heart, into your kokoro or koro zone. Meditate as God told Joshua to do in Joshua 1, 8 and 9. I love this verse. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Bible is telling us meditate day and night. So that the truth will saturate your mind and flow into your heart. Amen? Allow the Bible to fill your heart and mind so that it dominates your thoughts and conversations. As you do this, you're literally washing away the deadly ingredients that results in doubt, fear, and defeat. And they're replaced with faith, confidence, and victory. Next is to plant God's word into the situation of your life. We are commanded to not only be hearers of God's word, but a doer as well. So I have a question for you guys. Who do you think, uh, what, do you, what do you think about taking out the trash? Is that a good thing in your house? Yeah, or no, yes, maybe, yeah. I think there's a debate. I think it's a great thing, right? It's a good thing, right? Also, um, what do you think about having your kids do chores? Yeah, right? Amen, right? Amen. And I know I used this illustration a couple years ago, but I think it's a great illustration. So pretend tomorrow um, I wake up, I notice the trash bin is full, right? So then I write a letter to my son saying that, can you please take out the trash? And I place it on the kitchen table and then I go out for a day and I come back and I notice the letter is gone. I'm like, Good, Jordan read the letter. But then when I looked at the trash bin, it was still full. So I'm like, What the heck's going on here? Right? So then I call Jordan, comes running down and I ask Jordan, did you get my letter? And he said, Yeah, Dad, I got your letter. But also, Dad, you are a phenomenal writer. I actually, I actually translated your letter into Japanese. I was so pumped up that I called Tristan and Garrett to come over. We studied your letter together. We sang songs about taking out trash. We did some research. I'm like, that's great, Jordan. But did you take out the trash? And he said no, right? So you may think the story is silly, but many of us live our lives like that. We don't obey what God is telling us to do. right? We, we celebrate, we study it, we sing songs, but we don't live out the word. So if you want a harvest to take place, we must apply the truth of the Bible into our lives and do what it says. Remember, we will receive on what we have sown. The Bible tells us this directly in Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7 through 9, Paul the Apostle tells us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. Apply God's word to the things you face every day. Look for what the Bible says about your situation and obey scripture. In other words, put your faith into practice and live what scripture teaches. Don't just say you believe it, live it. Do you guys know who Paul Harvey is? I just found out about him recently, but he's a Christian broadcaster. And I agree with what he said. He once said, if you don't live it, then you don't believe it. If you don't live it, you don't believe it believe it. And finally, protect the soil. You gotta protect your heart. Watch out for the weeds, rocks, and birds in your soil. Don't let sin marinate in, in your heart. Guard your heart from the thorns of sin anxiety, worry, and the cares of the world. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't allow weeds to grow, but remove them from your heart and life. Be careful with what you watch online, right? The music you listen to, and the things that you read, put yourself in position to be successful. Don't, don't tempt yourself. You know, everyone's here smart. Don't put yourself in a bad situation. If you struggle to go onto this website, don't go back saying it's going to be different, right? And even the music that you listen to, it, it goes into your mind and it flows down to your heart. So you got to be careful with what you see. And Jesus warns us about this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, he straight, straight out tells us to be careful. The eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in, your, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! Protect your heart and your relationship with God. Keep the standard of holiness and purity always before you. With your eye on God and trust him. Live to please and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we plow, prepare, plant, and protect our hearts, we will be ready soil that is good for God to use. And with good soil... That is daily cultivated and ready to receive his word. A harvest will be produced. And right now, um, I want to bring up... um, Man, this guy's awesome. I want to bring up Jeff. Jeff Lowe. Yeah. Can we get up for Jeff? And I think the reason why I'm bringing up Jeff is I believe he's a prime example of good Soil. And I've seen his life transform in front of me in the past two years, right? He might have been known as uh, Chihos Guitar Carrier <laughs> before, but now he's a board member. He's one of our leaders. And um, I just see like how he cultivates his heart for the Lord and how much he loves the word. He's in BSF now. Um, I think he's very intentional. And th- one of the greatest attributes... I see in Jeff is that he's so obedient to the Lord. So, Jeff, can you please share a little bit about being a good soil? Is it on? Okay. It's on. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, I'm
1: Jeff. I have it all written down because I didn't want to mess anything up. So um, my wife, Chiho, and I have been attending Mission Valley for around 12 years. I was baptized when I was 14 years old. The parable of the sower really hits home because for the past 30 plus years, God's word in my life did not mature. It was being choked by thorns. I was concerned by the cares and pleasures of this world. Today, I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to glorify God, and I want to share with you how he has been working on my heart through his word for the past two years. Two years ago, I was struggling with my work. I'm a criminalist for the LAPD crime lab, and I was assigned to the crime scene unit for the past 10 years. I processed over 500 crime scenes, and I saw the worst of humanity. We live in a world of sin, and I was getting burned out by it. How could a parent do that to their child? Why are there so many murderers and rapists in this world? In the summer of 2017, I went to PCJC Family Camp in Northern California. What a great time to just get away from it all, to worship God every morning and evening, and to study his word throughout the week. At camp, God reminded me that I am his child. This is the identity, this is my identity, and this is what I needed to always remember. After family camp, I was encouraged by Mako to keep the momentum going by attending BSF, or Bible Study Fellowship. Bible Study Fellowship provided a consistent routine for me to study the Bible. This is something that I needed because I wasn't disciplined to do this on my own. Chet Yoshizaki and Bob Hirose, two great men of God, have been super influential in my journey, sharing their biblical and life wisdom as we carpool to meetings. So just a little bit about BSF. We meet on Tuesday nights in Temple City from September through May. There's a passage to read every week, and there are four different ways to learn it. At home, you read the signed passage and answer study questions. On the BSF campus, you participate in the study group discussion and then listen to the speaker share on that passage. And then when you return home, uh, you read notes on the passage and the notes will help you reflect on how God's word applies to your life. So last in 2017 we studied Romans and from September through May we studied this book in the Bible and it changed my life. It made me finally see how holy and righteous God is and just how sinful I really am. Romans 6:16 6, says, "Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. What this verse showed me was I'm obedient. I'm either obedient to Jesus or I'm obedient to sin. It's one or the other, it cannot be both. I had to take a hard look at myself based on what was being conveyed in Romans. Only God is holy and righteous, and we all fall short of his righteousness. I was unrighteous and obedient to sin. I made work a priority. I made golf an idol, and I drank excessively. Romans thirteen thirteen grabbed my attention. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. I realized that I was on the path which leads to death. My actions were consistent with being obedient to sin. I was doing what I wanted to do. While studying Romans, I found myself repenting over and over. And here's where God broke me. Through my repentance... God showed me that I will always fall short of his righteousness just like the murderers and rapists. I was being good in most areas of my life and I used to separate myself from those evil doers, but in reality, I was just like them. The only way for me to turn away from being obedient to sin was to submit to Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Lord. Only Jesus could save me from my sinfulness. The Bible truly shows its power in Romans 12:2, which became my theme verse. It says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that it, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." The Bible has the power to to transform us by the renewal of our mind. Applying God's word in choices I made helped me take a step toward Jesus and a step away from conforming to the world. Studying the Bible has been the difference for me. The more I learn about God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the more I want to read, study, and apply scripture. Everything in the Bible is true, And I want to experience God's truth. I want to listen to sermons about God's word. And lately I've been watching um, John MacArthur sermons on YouTube. Um, I want to pray. Prayer is so important and impactful. For more than 10 years, Chiho prayed for me that I would have a spiritual awakening. Today, I find myself talking to God throughout the day. When I first wake up, just thanking him and looking forward to do to what I can do to please him, at work to keep me in check with the words that I say, and when I come home, um, to be kind to Chiho. I want to grow with my life group as we learn about God together. I want to memorize scripture because... When I make the effort to read and study and apply scripture to my life, then memorizing it makes it mine. So thank you Takeshi and Kim for holding a, or teaching a memory class uh, every month. I want to serve in obedience, and when I do there's so much joy because I know it pleases my Lord. I want to have conversations about Jesus with my coworkers so that they too may come to know who Jesus is and obey him. Ultimately, I want to glorify God, because in the end, when it's all said and done, when I'm gone, that's all that really matters. Mission Valley, I want to encourage you, just like I was encouraged by many of you, to let God transform you by the renewing of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thank you. Amen.
0: Thank you, Amen. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Brother Jeff. So he's a prime example of someone that um, has been transformed from the word of God and obedience. Right? And man, he fires me up for the gospel. You know, just just watching Jeff live out his life in obedience. Since you're a big John MacArthur fan, I have a quote from John MacArthur. John MacArthur said, Obedience is the only validation of your salvation. It is the only possible proof that you recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Obedience is the only validation of your salvation. It is the only possible proof that you recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. And how can you you argue with that quote? John 14, 15 tells us, Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Straight out. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And in John 15, 16, Jesus tells us to bear fruit. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Works does not save us. But I believe the fruit that we produce reveals our faith in Christ. Just like the good soil. Ultimately, we bear fruit to glorify God. I'm going to close with this. Matthew 5.16. I think it describes Jeff. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The main purpose why we're here is to glorify Christ, as Jeff mentioned. So how do we know what God wants us to do if we don't know his word? How do, how do we know that? We can't. That is why the word is the seed of life. Amen? Amen. Alright, so I have the weekly challenge for you guys on the screen. I want you guys to please read and meditate on Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And I want you to really pray to Jesus and ask him and be honest. God wants you to be honest with him. What are the birds in my life? What kind of soil do I have? If you 're not honest with Christ, God can't work in your heart. I remember being in um, a class a year ago, seminary class, and the professor mentioned in Genesis about how Adam and Eve, after they committed the first sin, they hid from God. How silly is that? But a lot of times we live our lives like that as well, right? God knows everything. So why should we hide? from the Lord. If we're not honest with the Lord, then he can't work on your heart. You got to come out and be honest. So ask these questions as you pray to the Lord. And I want you to plant 3 spiritual goals this week that will cultivate your soul to produce fruit. Maybe as Jeff mentioned, is repenting. Do you have sin in your life? Christ told us we need to repent or else we're going to perish. We went over that verse earlier. Maybe joining BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. If you have any questions, I think Jeff will be more than happy to answer any questions about BSF. Are you the official spokesperson of BSF? Okay. He sounded good, though. Um, Yeah, or also maybe just starting off with the Word. Instead of looking on Facebook on your phone, start off with prayer and read the Word. Don't grab your phone first. Grab your Bible. Right? Another thing is, start bearing fruit. Start serving. Right? And I love our leaders here. Like, I, when I think about our leaders, I think about Bob Hirose. Right? He oversees the ushers, but I love it how he spends one on one time with the ushers to encourage them to move closer to Christ. And that's the main reason why we're here. And also, if you're part of that 20% that's not part of a life group, I highly encourage you to do so. Right? Life groups are essential. They help you to stay accountable. And also, you have brothers and sisters that are praying for you. That is huge. So please pray about it if you're not part of a life group. May our harvest reveal a true love. And faith in your son, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. So, Father God, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen.